What's up, freaks? Welcome back to the Bad Christian Podcast. Maybe you've noticed I've allowed Toby some privileges to do the intros from time to time, and I think he's doing a pretty good job, and it's nice to get a break. I spend, I don't know, six or eight hours on these intros usually, so I've got a lot of time back in my schedule, but I wanted to pop on today, and and Toby's been wanting to do these intros because he's involved very heavily in Marriage Supply, which is a uh, company that we're involved in that has... Well, basically sex toys and things like that, but it's porn-free and it's safe, and it's for couples and for free expression, and you know, you get the territory, but go to marriagesupply.com. It is a safe website. That's the deal. Now, today's show, on the other hand, is officially sponsored by Joybird. You can see how Joybird can make your dream space a reality, and you can get 25% off your first order at joybird.com slash badchristian25, and use the code badchristian25 at checkout. And also today's show, sponsored by Stamps.com. You can get a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale by going to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and enter the code BADCHRISTIAN. That's Stamps.com, promo code BADCHRISTIAN. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, hell yeah, God showed up. I don't give a shit what I put in my body. You don't ever f- talk to me that way. <laughs> so if you've never Our done parents, oral, but, yes, so Grandparents and parents no, love him. How many cars has your dad, we talk about pastors, how many cars has your dad gotten you in your life, you think? Since I'm an adult or since, since I was 15? Since your life. Your whole life. Well, I mean, do you count like when I crashed one and they had to get a new uh, was one? Was it a car? Can't you just tell us a number? Stop uh, stop bloviating here. Am I right, Reva? (laughs) Um, I got uh, one, two, three, four. Oh my god! If he gets two hands, he might get past two hands, two fingers, two hands. I mean, I've only gotten. I've only gotten. Well, he's already up to six. He's gone his second hand already. Well, I went through a lot of cars in the first couple of years. Okay, uh, forget all those first years. What about your current? Since I'm an adult, what about your current car? Yeah, I have. I got my dad gave me one car in the last twenty years. Carter privilege. I'm sick of this shit. You get everything. Yeah. Good lord. You let uh, me let me guess. You own a house, and Mm -hmm. I I bet even this. I bet your house even somehow works in your favor and makes you money somehow. Probably. I bet you Airbnb it or something. Probably. Well, well, here's what I want to (laughs) say. A lot of folks out there. uh, This is. Are we rolling? I thought we'd been rolling for a while. I wanted people to know about Carter Privilege. Oh. How no, many, how many wives we have you had? <laughs> wives? <laughs> One. I'm trying so to, far. <laughs> way too many for me. My God. My wife would say she's had way too many where, husbands. Where in the world did we start recording? I have no idea what we've talked about so far, if we have. I've just been having a good time talking about, <laughs> well, the ba- someone's about to banks <laughs> and all kinds of stuff. I thought that was fun. All right, let's get started then. We'll start now. We can, do, we can cover any of that you want. I just had no idea. We I can just, leave that in. Right? I just loved it. I like. Well, what I wanted to say is... I'm glad that we got to show this because this is what the daily dose is a little bit like, a little bit behind the scenes, more relaxed with for our friends. And, and so uh, what I wanted to talk to you guys today about is on one of the daily dose episodes, I was really upset at the DMV. Do you remember that? <laughs> I remember it. Yes, you remember it. I was really mad and it made me basically mad at the entire government. Uh, so if you're not part of the BC club, you should join and uh, you'll hear all the, you get all these daily dose episodes and you get to hear very current situations we're in. Well, let me continue my story with the DMV because Matt 
Matt kind of uh, stood up for the government a little bit. I'm not going to go into it, but he, I he definitely st- did not. Yeah, oh, I intend to attack the government <laughs> fully. Reva, we know, right? Reva, okay. we know. We understand, Reva. Yeah, no, you're right, Matt. You're right. You didn't well, stand up for the government. I'm glad after all of that, you guys understood each other. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I, so I have to get my tag switched over in North Carolina, right? Um, uh-huh. So... I go to the DMV, not going to do it because I don't have a driver's license yet for the state of North Carolina. So I have to go to the other DMV to get my driver's license. Well, the line is out the door. I was really mad, upset. Okay. So this is all just hurting me, right? But I'm going to show you how the government hurts you two specifically. Okay. I, uh, today, went back super early, got my license, then went over to the license plate, other store is one of them the dmv and one of them the the department of licensing i guess that's what it's called i don't know that when i typed in dmv they both came up some states do it that they both came up under dmv but anyway yeah one you get your license plate and registration one you do your actual license thing but you can do other stuff too it's super weird that's what i'm saying it's all just crazy so i uh i go to the licensing plate guess what i don't have in order to get my license plate my title to my 2006 Sienna van that I bought a long time ago. Apparently, mm-hmm. you have to have that. I'm trying to give the state money, but they won't even let me do it. You know what they say? You have to <laughs> get your say? title. I guess what I can't find? My title. The title <laughs> now is in, uh, we got the car in South Carolina. So the title, I have to go to the South Carolina side. Luckily, I live in Charlotte, not somewhere far away from the border. I cross down on over Good to Fort gosh. Mill, get down there. Uh, it's going to be, $35 for them to print my license, right? Oh, wait, I didn't even get to the part where it hurt you first. Uh, yeah. When I went and got my actual driver's license, when I got to my driver's license today, uh, my uh, credit card is old and it wouldn't it wouldn't take it. So I had to use the Emory credit card to pay for my license. Which <laughs> is, it charged y'all $40. <laughs> $40 out of y'all's part. Out of y'all's pockets, motherfucker. See how South Carolina, say, North Carolina screws you too? I <laughs> said thing happened to me when I went to Disneyland. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> touche, touche. But I was sitting there and I swiped my card a bunch of times and I said, I'm sorry, it, the, the, car, the chip works, but my slider's old on my credit card, I guess, and it won't work. She said, we, uh, she said this is, the DMV didn't get any chip readers. She just looked at me like, I was like, okay. And I, I couldn't wait anymore. So I had, the only card I had was my Emory credit card. So I had to use that. So might Reba, I guess also to, when you do use a card there, there's a, a fee for card usage. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, right. I'm sure. <laughs> you know, like the, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. But that's okay. So then I go down to the South Carolina DMV to get my title and to print my title is $35. Also, they didn't have it. They said that I never, because I lost my title, I never registered my title, even though I paid my car off to the state of South Carolina. So now I have to go to Wells Fargo Bank, the place that we financed our van through almost a decade ago and paid off. Uh, so I go to Wells Fargo, the ladies are really nice. They, they ha- it's going to take 24 to 48 hours, even though my tag runs out at the end of October. So I'll, if I have to, I might have to drive illegally to the DMV in South Carolina oh, to get my title, then drive over to the DMV in North Carolina and pay them all money just so I can drive my car that I have paid off and I've been trying to pay and all the gas and everything. It's just insane. All I want to do is drive my car. I would way rather you say, hey, you don't ever have to worry about license uh, plates ever again. You just have to pay such and such a year. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. I never want to think about it again. Don't make me. I have to go here. And people say, well, yeah, but once you go one time, then they'll send it to you in the mail. And I'll say, it's just a bunch of junk. I got to put a hunk of metal on the back of my car for some reason yeah. that they, for safety. safety. Well, so they, well, yeah. they can ad- identify me. I mean, <laughs> good Lord. It, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, it doesn't well, make any sense at all. How, how often when you hear about a stolen car, do you look at everybody's license plates or do you look, it's a silver van with tinted windows and, and you know, you don't, you don't even look at the half the time. How many times you hear people get pulled over wrongly because somebody else stole a car or they look like somebody else or whatever. And, and well, it, 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 a license plate is stupid. You can at least yeah. go with me there. A license plate is stupid <laughs> and outdated. We, I got to go license plates. Is stupid. If you okay, don't go with me here, I'm quitting. Approach, but yeah, I'll go with you on <laughs> Thank that. you. Reva, Reva yeah. you too, right? You're going with I, me. I agree that state license plates are stupid. And Reva oh, re- got burnt. Didn't you get burnt? How much did you have to pay oh, for? Oh, a, yeah. You got pulled over because you hadn't changed your life, <laughs> even though you had a legal license. Hundreds of dollars. <laughs> hundreds of dollars because she had a, a Seattle, a Washington state license instead of a Tennessee one. And yeah. it only been a couple months. So I'm like, eh, get out of here. Well, I'm horrified to hear you guys because, I, you know, license plates come into in play on Amber Alerts. So you don't care about the children, obviously. Yeah. Like, How <laughs> else are you going to do a silver Subaru with the license plate? How are you ever going to recover any of these children that go missing all day every There's day? There's no possible other way. I mean, you can, uh, you can, um, you can hack cars now. I will now. say, though, <laughs> it is helpful for Ubers. It is what? To verify. It, no. oh. Yeah, that's how I verify my Uber. <laughs> there has to be other ways. All right, now is my time. I want to interject and talk about Joybird. It's one of my favorite sponsors we've ever had for the podcast because I have a, somehow developed a little thing for furniture when I started paying attention to wood and construction. made me start paying attention to furniture. And Joybird is badass. It's, it really is terrific. We live in a world where everything is now customizable and there's a lot of choices. And sometimes we don't understand that we can really improve our own environment and our peace of mind and express ourselves in everyday things like furniture. So you can create furniture that matches your own style. They have endless options to customize. And the days of settling for something that isn't quite you, that's over. I mean, fall's the season for all things cozy. That's kind of the mood I'm in. And there's no better place to snuggle up with a good book than your very own home. With Joybird, your personal one-of-a-kind style should match your furniture, obviously. So you bring your mood boards to life with hundreds of customizable pieces and over 50 fabric options. It doesn't matter if you're more of like a neutral beige person or, I don't know, maybe you're a bubblegum pink kind of person. If you can dream it, Joybird can build it. Velvet. Uh, leather, you name it, kid-friendly, pet-friendly. They've got tons of options so that your creations will stand the test of time and the wrath of your children and furry friends. So now they got free personal design consultants, real people to help you go from inspiration to creation. This stuff is, this is why I really get into it. It's handcrafted. It's quality handcrafted furniture. There's a 365-day home trial so you can skip the furniture showroom and just you can do it all at home you sit on it you sleep on it break it in if you don't love it well guess what you return it no big deal joybird stands by its quality and craftsmanship and if it's not everything you hope and dream for then send it back returns are free in two weeks of the delivery so here's what i got to tell you create furniture that matches your own fearless style at joybird.com slash bad christian 25 see how joybird can help make your dream space a reality today at joybird.com slash bad christian 25 so go to joybird.com forward slash bad christian 25 and receive an exclusive offer for 25 percent off your first order by using the code bad christian 25 okay 
Well, y'all don't know this, but I got a license plate woe myself. What? Yeah. Matt Carter? You want to know what it is? Yeah, yeah I do. <laughs> I want to I oh. sing the blues with you, my friend. Well, here's the blues to sing. In the world of license plates, just when you think about license plates, what is the most obnoxious, worst application of a license plate? Uh, hanging it on your wall or, or something like that? No, that's cute. You take old license plates and put it in your barn. I like that one. It'll make it look like Cracker Barrel. Shooting I, that's them fine. with guns? No, it's these assholes oh. that have personalized, personalized license plates, license plates right? Plate. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the scandal of license plates to me. So, like, as a person who tries to wear the same thing every day, not to be noticed for it, but to not be noticed right. for flashy things. It's yep. one of the reasons I don't, I wouldn't be comfortable having a nice car, even if I could afford it. I would just be too uncomfortable with it. So you can imagine the horror that I receive that Bridget got me a personalized license plate for my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> oh Can, man, that I cannot believe that went through her head, and she got that for your birthday. That's funny. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Uh, no, I wait. Sorry. What was it for? Did I just have? Oh yeah, I just had a birthday, right? And I'm in, lost in, on time. In August. Yeah, a couple months. Oh ago. no, I'm sorry. It was our anniversary. I think oh. maybe an anniversary. Whatever it was, August. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yes, I've been. Now I am that person. Oh my god. The person. Now you want to know what's better than that? Or worse, I should say in this case. I want to know the what it says part, so bad. The worst part is she couldn't go to the <laughs> the closest DMV, DOL, um, here. In fact, you have to go to the downtown one to get it registered. <laughs> so when I received the present, it was the kind of the worst kind of present imaginable when you don't actually have the present. Yeah. They just say, I'm getting you this for your present. And she yeah. just announces it, which, I, of course, everybody should understand. I do not want it. Right. I don't want yeah. it. Now, the person you love most bad. has no it, idea of that. Yeah, it, yeah. Well, I mean, I tell her, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't I don't matter. Get listen to. She's going to force her love matter. upon you, right? And, but it says Clemson on it with a, a five for the S. Okay, so it's fine. It's yep. not the worst thing in the world, but it's right. still going to be highly embarrassing to me. Very embarrassing. Um, but I'm just going to let her do it. But. It's not that I get to let her do it. You had to go to the downtown one, and so I have to go get it. <laughs> oh, and God. I haven't gotten it yet, and my tag's expired, and I'm just delaying the going through with actually going down. But now I have to go down, renew my own license at a far away <laughs> one, and get something I don't want and pay for it. And wait, and that's my oh god, <laughs> yeah. And I can't not do it because that would be a slap in the face of the person who loves me so much that they're giving me this right. uh, curse of a present. <laughs> where I have to spend yeah. my money, go do a bunch of work to get something I don't want so that she gets to love me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, you have to go do all this work to get it. Then you and gotta pull it's going to make the... me way more obvious to the police when I inevitably oh, get in trouble or steal a child 100%. and the Amber Alert goes out. Everybody's going to find me so easy because of my so easy, easy to identify like tag. I know. Yeah. <laughs> she so totally thwarting my, your life. my kidnapping plans as we speak. Um, it's really funny. You have to do all this work. You have to sit in a terrible line. You don't know how long you got to drive. It's a waste of a, that's going to take you like at least half a day or more. I mean, today me trying to do my stuff, I couldn't even get it done. I have to go back tomorrow to try and accomplish stuff. I mean, I it's just too much. And then you have to pull back into front of your house. We're just going to walk out and you have to say, babe, then I got, I'm supposed to do so a bunch much. of lot more. Oh, yeah, further no, then lies. you have to lie. Right. More. I mean, you I have to have. lie because of love. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I'm actually pretty good about not lying. I mean, she knows my feelings, but I just make it a joke and I'll accept it. Like, you know, I don't actually pretend to be super excited. I say, oh, we make it, a, you know, I turn it into, you're making me do this. You know, it's going to make me uncomfortable. We both laugh about it. And I do appreciate the sentiment in a way. So it's, it's not, she does know. I right. think maybe that's part of the game that she's, for, you know, it's almost like a prank or something, I guess. I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe our whole fucking relationship's a prank <laughs> at this point. I don't know. <laughs> maybe the whole thing's a big joke. Gotcha. I don't know. <laughs> Got me. <laughs> uh, do you know how much it costs? Like how much is a, a personalized license plate? I always wondered if it's like hundreds of dollars or something like that. Because you could, what could you fake it? Go on Amazon. I'm looking right now. $8.05. You can get an NCAA metal license plate that just says Tigers on it. And right. is she. How about a license plate frame? Yeah, no, so I was thinking, like, that well, yeah, that's true. You could just have the There's frame. There's vanity plates. How about so you a can sticker? put like vanity yeah. plates on the front and then your real plates on the back. You how about a Tiger that? Paul sticker from my back window? Oh, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Happy birthday. I, what know, what I, if she said, hey, you know what? The next two uh, Clemson games. We are leaving the house, and you can watch them. And you can watch them. Here's How a six that? pack of beer, and you can watch it. No kids or anything. Yeah. We, uh, you would uh, you would have fell in love more than you've ever been in your ever life. Had. That's right. Ever in your life. I tell you what's been really fun for me with uh, the Clemson games this year is I set up. So I have this uh, when I got my computer, my desktop. I got the bigger one, which is is it twenty three inches? I the, don't know. the big the iMac. I think the big. It's like seventeen. Let's go with twenty three. Twenty three inches. So is is a great HD TV and I watch all the games in here and this office that I'm in now is kind of like a man cave and I just I, I have two doors and I close them and everybody yeah. kind of leaves me alone and I have a great comfy couch back there it's the greatest watching experience of my life and the audio from just this is great but I can also use my my two uh, main speakers here to create amazing audio and it's just the greatest watching experience of my life and I watch almost every game by myself and I'm so happy like totally it. agree that audio is the key to watching sports, or it is for me. I'm an audio person. Yep. That's not very hard to understand. Um, and so if I, the, my least good situation is watching a sports bar with every TV oh, and I no know. audio when everybody's making noise. I hate it. I know. What I like best now is to watch it on YouTube TV, on my phone, barely look at it, and have AirPods in. Oh, and just now I'm clued. Yeah. I am so laser. Like my eyes can I totally be agree. in the vicinity of the thing at a good resolution. Yep. And I'm ha very happy because I'm receiving the energy and everything with a little bit of visual cues, yep. which is actually the screen's great. But I, I mean, uh, that to, to not have the sound over there across the room, but yeah. in my head is what makes me love uh, be more engaged with sports. But uh, okay, enough of this nonsense. But if you see me driving around with a Clemson tag, even you know, yeah. honk at me. It's uh, me. Let me tell you a new thing that our friend Dumpy uh, got me on too, and I found this. There is an app. I don't know if you've heard about this. It's called Tunity, and you point it at any TV, and it sends the audio to you. So if you have your Bluetooth, so you can watch. You can sit in a bar, and whatever TV the game's on, you just you point your phone at it. It it hits it, finds it, and then starts playing through your headphones. I God, you've blown my mind here. So I reserve judgment on such which, a thing. Which makes exist, me believe that too. Sounds amazing. I, I'm not trying to change the subject here. I know we probably got to move on, but is it? Are we getting to the point where like Jesus walking on the water won't even be that impressive? <laughs> probably. <laughs> like I mean, if you can just point your phone at a TV and hear it from your phone or something like that, I just think that's almost. I mean, like water into wine. That's cool. I mean, you know, lots of fishes and bread. That's pretty neat. But I mean eventually they're you know whatever technology is yeah. going to do 
You yeah, will. I think yeah. some of yeah some of the things we do with technology are, are 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 for sure more magical if you didn't understand how computing works. Right. If you yes, they're, they're a lot more magical than the physical miracles that that we seem to celebrate. If you if you simply understood how neither was done, yep. many of the technological things that we experience would certainly like be the disciples in the boat. Magic. Would the disciples yeah. in the boat have seen Peter sinking and Jesus walking out if a plane would have flown by? <laughs> Right, yeah, I, and plus I think David Blaine or somebody could probably pull oh. that off. Oh, like, you're right. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, if, that, if if they set their mind to it, I'm sure they could pull off that illusion. Yeah. Well, more easily than the tech stuff. Now you're trying to make today. us think that Jesus is a time traveler and just magician no, from magician, the year 2025 or something. Uh, Seventy-five. Yeah, we get it. We're not going in He's that an time illusionist, travel stuff. Anyway. First century illusionist, the original. I mean, he deserves a lot of credit for it. <laughs> I mean, hey. The David Blaine of the first century. I mean, come on. Oh, that's, pretty, is that that's, not, one, that's nothing to laugh at. That's not. That shouldn't diminish anything. Is that one of the worst thoughts ever, that he was just a phenomenal ahead of his time illusionist? <laughs> 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 I mean, that just seems so, oh, God. That, that, if you found My that out, did. it would just drop your heart out. You just, just drop your heart out. Anyway, that's, that's a sad way to get into What this. else we got today? What are we doing today? That's a nice light intro. So what, you want to keep the podcast light for the rest of the time, or you want to go heavy? Well, we've been too light. I think we need to get very heavy. Oh, shit. <laughs> Extremely okay. heavy, I think, would be the way to go. Okay, so we're going to talk about stamps.com for a second, and then our friend Kristen is going to join us. And uh, when she gets on, we'll introduce her properly and tell all of her credentials. And we'll talk about some mental health stuff and... Uh, the S word, that's suicide, by the way. We kept it out of the title of the episode on purpose because people avoid the topic. But we're going to talk about it. But first, Toby, why don't you tell them about stamps.com? Well, Matt, I'm going to tell you something that people probably have heard because uh, I've talked about stamps.com a lot. I use stamps.com all the time. I've done a lot of shipping with all the Emory fulfillment, uh, all the packages every possible thing that you can imagine i've either put in my own mailbox raised the little red flag or just ran down to the to the post office which is so easy all my all my packages are pre-posted with stamps.com i just drop them off and i'm done it is so good i love it it does everything it brings all the services of the u.s postal service right to your computer whether you're a small office sending invoices, an online seller shipping out products, or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com, it seriously, can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print off official U.S. postage 24-7. That's what I love. For any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send. Once your mail is ready, just hand it to your mail carrier or drop it in the mailbox. It's that simple. I'm telling you, I love it. Don't spend a minute of your holiday season at the post office this year, sign up for stamps.com instead. There's no risk with our promo code, uh, bad Christian. You get a special offer that includes a four week trial plus uh, free postage and a digital scale, no long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in bad Christian. That's stamps.com. Enter bad Christian stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Thank you, Toby. Nice read. Okay, Kristen Wallace, thank you for joining the show. Absolutely. Where are you coming to us from? You're in Florida? Yes, I yes. am in, right now, sitting in Orlando, Florida. Okay, so Kristen is somebody that we've met and known. She did a, she did, what was that? It was a Daily Dose podcast or a Pastor a with G- No Answers a little while back? Yeah, with Joey Svensson. 
Yes, it was a podcast, specifically a sex experiment podcast. <laughs> so if you heard that, it's the same voice if you're recognizing it. Yes. But the reason we're having Kristen on today is because she's quite a... Uh, She's got a quite robust education and qualifications to talk about things in, in the mental health department and stuff like that. And so we're in contact. And then a while back, we were, well, first of all, let's just talk about your qualifications there. I, I, I don't ha- it's hard to, when you start talking about letters behind people's names and stuff, I get confused and I don't memorize them well. So let's do, what, what is your, what's your thing? What are you? <laughs> I, <laughs> I am a um, doctor of philosophy and psychology. I have a license to practice mental health counseling in the state of Florida, and then I'm a national certified counselor. Um, I'm also certified. certified, Yes, board certified. And then um, I also have several other certifications, specifically EMDR and certified forensic mental health evaluator. Okay. Sounds like a real teacher's pit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Signing my name sucks because <laughs> I've got more names in the letters or more letters after my name than in my actual name. <laughs> so yeah. Oh goodness. Well that that's that's really good. So the reason that we wanted to have you on today is that a, a, a little while back, it was just a few weeks ago, we were talking on this show about suicide and Jared Wilson. Uh, yes. And I just yeah. I think that's pretty much known. I guess we've referenced it here, so we don't have to exactly go into that, but we can. And after the episode aired, I don't remember what we said or how we were saying it exactly, but you just called me up on a Sunday afternoon and said, "Hey, you, there's some more stuff you need to be aware of, and that that you should discuss, and there, there may be things you're leaving out." But on the other hand, you seem to affirm some direction of the way that we were talking that was of interest. And my goodness, it's the most confusing topic that I've ever encountered. Yes. And it's the weirdest because I've been podcasting for a long time and I've done the topic of suicide on, I did it on the labeled podcast one time right. for tooth and nail and music. I've, we've done it here before. And there's one thing I can tell you that is, seems to be absolutely true. If you tell people that you're talking about suicide, the downloads go in the shitter, in the yep. tank and nobody 100%. listens to it. And I don't exactly know why, but. I, I, there's such a weird energy around suicide that it is yes. I, it, it is making me go crazy. I don't. I'm I know. feel completely lost on the topic. I, I, well, I was completely caught off. I worked on that episode for Labeled, and when we were talking about John Bunch, uh, you know, and and these mm-hmm. musicians from our some of our favorite bands, and I just thought, oh, well, this is so compelling, and it, and it's just I just want to hear more. And then the download, uh, it, it's interesting that people would use their time. Definitely to avoid this. So we, you know, hopefully stay with us, folks, is what we're saying. Yeah, we'll if you, if we got you this far, stay yeah. with us. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we won't yes, tell them what yeah. we're talking about yeah. on the title, huh? Right. We should have not said anything. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Some people turned it off before we go further. Right. But shoot. Kristen, why did you call me and what did you say? If you, if you recall, we'll start there. Um, I called you because from the mental health perspective, there are some um, known guidelines and limits that are placed on media specifically in discussing suicide. And part of that is just what we learned throughout um, having a culture that uh, that feasts on media and how um, past exposures to content about suicide have affected the general public. And mm-hmm. so I kind of called you to say, hey, 
you started the conversation, but you didn't close the loop. Mm-hmm. And I've, I want you to be aware of that so that your listeners um, can kind of have the loop closed for them. Mm-hmm. And so when you say close the loop, well, I don't, I'm not sure, again, like what it was I was saying, but I, I think the place that I'm in is I'm trying to try to, the stuff that bothers me about it is, first of all, avoidance of the topic. Lack of transparency. Right. It's clearly something that falls way in the taboo thing. It's just a taboo. Right. Is it good that it's a taboo or not? It starts to get more ambiguous. And then when it gets to glamorizing and celebrating, right. I get, I, I'm out on that. And right. so I, I'm trying to react to that, but I feel like I, I should shut up all the time. And so I, that doesn't sound right either to me. Right. And so... Um, this is kind of the nuances that we're dealing with in research where um, if you pull up research on suicide and specifically suicide contagion, that mm-hmm. is a phenomenon that we're aware of um, because after exposure to content with suicide in it, like this, um, in, like this, okay. it, um, there seems to be some sort of phenomenon that appears um, in the general public that when not exposed um, seems to be stable. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's what I meant by closing the loop is making sure that we are aware that that phenomenon exists and that we handle the information in a way that protects against potential suicide contagion. So, so that, you're, uh, let me just, uh, for, you know, I, I have, Kristen, you probably know this. I have zero letters after my name. So I'm going to ask some <laughs> very plain questions. Yes. Y- are you saying that the discussion of suicide, you, you called it a contagion? Like the, the, the actual uh, discussion or uh, bringing it to attention of our culture causes more suicide? Is that what you mean? Or, or what, if you can just elaborate a little bit. Yeah, so um, suicide contagion is basically um, the rise in completed suicides following exposure to the public that a suicide has been completed. Um, And the way that we became aware of this phenomenon was back, um, I believe it was in the 70s, back when, you know, when you actually watch television there was a day and a time that the television show came on. You highlighted it in the little TV guide right. <laughs> made sure to, to check in and watch that show. And there were two specific, um, there were two specific shows that aired and they noticed that the two weeks following the episodes that contained suicide, that there was an increase in completed suicides. Mm. Um, and so it kind of alerted those of us who are in the helping profession, um, that there might be something here. Uh, so what suicide contagion is basically is that if you're exposed, it's now in the forefront of your mind. It's no longer Mm -hmm. a subconscious understanding. It's now, it's now been moved to your working memory Mm -hmm. and, um, and that may potentially, um, give someone enough of a trigger to embolden them to complete suicide. So that's pretty immediately crazy just right there to think of the implications of that on on a lot of levels. Uh, You know, if you think about it, 
like the 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 baseline claim there that you're saying how it might work, which I don't think we know. And the problem being, right. it's impossible to research this. That was a natural experiment in the '70s when yeah. by appointment TV was that way. I think there's there's some similar stuff around the Netflix series Thirteen Reasons Why. Yes, also. there's yes, there's some new research that um, completed suicide among adolescents has gone up significantly. The problem is, is that it's almost impossible to track that data because you have access at all times of day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not portioned out in a one episode at a time. Th- there could be people watching one episode a week or 13 episodes in a day. We're not sure. So um, the being able to extrapolate any data from what's happening is much more difficult. So this hits me on the level, too, of, and this is why it really stopped me in my tracks in a way, is you're saying when you called me, I didn't close the loop as in I should, maybe it's okay to talk about, maybe it's good to talk about, but since this is there, you also need to, you said, give a suicide hotline, all this kind of stuff. It's almost that we're saying that even to talk well-meaningly about suicide and true could be counterproductive. And, the, and maybe that well, show 13 Reasons Why is counterproductive, a lot of people think. Many of us in the mental health community were appalled that this was even, like that there was even oversight from a mental health professional in the writing of this show. Um, some of us were extremely alarmed that this would um, have been given the go-ahead. Um, in fact, there's another show that's a netflix series as well called mind hunter which opens up with a completed suicide and i i was watching this show and completely taken off you know off guard because i was not expecting that and i looked at my husband and said really like this is now two completed suicides i've seen it's not just we talked about it it's not just we referenced it or we alluded to it it's legit CGI, you are watching this take place. You have a very visual image of what Mm -hmm. is happening in the suicide process. And so many of us in the mental health community are like, so many messages could be derived from that. Um, The social implications. We don't know what's going on with the people who are watching these shows. And it, it might be entertaining, it might in some ways be normalizing. Normalizing. Um, but, but the concern like is... a graphic is, depiction Is it responsible? Would, yeah. But it seems like the graphic depiction of a suicide would make you not want to do it. Like, I, I mean, that's just super dumb level of, of analysis. Like, oh, we'll show how bad it really is, and then people wouldn't want to do it. Well, yeah. here's my <laughs> thought. Here's my thought. Um, go to the idea about watching sex on on TV. Yeah, I mean that's an enjoyable thing, right? Mm-hmm. But right. we I mean those of us who have had sex pretty much know it doesn't look like what it looks like on television. <laughs> right? <laughs> They're right. like it's not as suave or um it's you know fantasy smooth. Almost, yeah. Right. It's right. And mm-hmm. so I see. So, I mean, you're engaging the brain, which has these things called mirror neurons or learning centers in the brain, and you're showing them a completed suicide. Well, the one in 13 Reasons Why, 
Do we know that that's how people feel as blood is leaving their body? Was the acting appropriate on that on that show? I'm not sure. I've well, never watched someone die from suicide, thankfully. Yeah, yeah you're right. Like it, it almost it reinforces your point to me that there is some kind of like fascination with the macabre of it. Like right. that, that, that even even with people that aren't, uh, uh, you know, suffering mentally or, or, or with mental issues, there's still something that is drawn because both the shows you talked about are extremely popular on Netflix, right? Yes. So that yes, I mean, not yeah. not just for people with suicidal tendencies, but they're but like with just regular, you know, uh, uh, not regular other folks that aren't struggling with those thoughts. Um, so there is some kind of fascination there with the 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 death of it, and and a, somehow we are drawn to that. It seems almost. Yes. Ugh. Yeah, and and then why? <laughs> right. Why, why are right. we drawn to that? Yeah, it's a complicating fact here that seems very relevant that Jared Wilson, who we were speaking about and knew and cared about, uh, but he officiated a funeral of a suicide victim uh, the day of or before. Yeah. You know, yes. and and I when mean, you say that thing about the working memory, it kind of clicked for me. Like, oh, it's it, it is it is in that RAM state. It's kind of like <laughs> this is a bad example, but it's not. Maybe it will help people understand behaviorally. I have a, I've got a cannabis vape pen, okay, and it is a huge difference if it stays in a drawer or my glove compartment or in my pocket. Yes, it's a big difference. Yes. And you and you um, you reach for it much You're, easier if it's on right. your person.
The Morrell family does, and you've been listening to Landslide Defeater, a single off of Norma Jean's newest record, All Hell, which came out this past Friday. Norma Jean is one of those bands that never puts out a bad record, and All Hell is yet another example of that. Seriously, it sounds amazing. Uh, they're also touring with the Devil Wears Prada throughout the country this fall, so head over to their website. For uh, ticket information, make sure to follow the band on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you listen to music. And make sure you don't miss any updates or new music. All hell is everywhere now. Go listen to it. And so, I mean, that really, Jared Wilson's story, like, really hits me. Partly... Um, because at 16, I did try to commit suicide and was completely unsuccessful. Um, and I reached toward the mental health field and I reached toward understanding and, and investigating and trying to find meaning um, in my life. And and Jared did those same things. I mean, he had um, his own organization to try and help people with their mental health issues. And um, from my perspective, it's like, ugh, you know, we, we have someone who probably spoke an incredible message the day that he officiated that funeral and then left there and ended up completing suicide himself. Um, I wasn't there, but I'm, I'm just guessing that it was probably a very good funeral. Mm. Um, and so... My my heart aches because we, in terms of mental health, we are trying to push people forward toward achieving their best self, toward um, really living with these potential feelings or thoughts of wanting to end their life, but still choosing life instead. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it just resonated with me, and and I kind of. I felt a little disappointed and, and grief stricken that um, we lost someone who could have pushed the message forward. What's the message? Um, that what you're experiencing right now is not the totality of your life, that okay. there can be something else. Not, And I don't want to get into the message of you're so wonderful and the world needs mm-hmm. you and you're yep. important I mean, those are some messages that helped me, but really the pendulum swung back the other direction afterward. Like, I'm nobody, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm somebody who's a nobody. Um, so, I, but the message is you don't have to believe that ending your life right now is the answer and the only answer. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's too personal for you, but just uh, it, what... What is the thing that like you attempted suicide? What is yes. the what is the difference? Like what what made you not try to go for completion again? You you know or something like that. What what and I'm sure I guess that two parter does that it wouldn't work for everybody. Like what worked for you wouldn't mm, work for everybody. Good question. Um, do you mean what has kept me from wanting to try again? Yeah, like you said, you when the pendulum swung back, you were like, "Oh, you know, I needed some of that," but now I realize I'm just I'm just Kristen, and and I'm here. But like, what what's the thing that makes makes you not contemplate it now or or go for that now? 
Fuck. I mean, I think it's experience, honestly. Like, um, the, the reasons why I wanted to end my life at 16 were um, very much wound up in what I was going through as a 16-year-old. Mm-hmm. And I was going through my first real breakup, my first time ever experiencing a breakup. Um, I had, uh, my childhood was riddled with relationship issues because my parents were divorced. I was really struggling with my identity. Who am I? What am I about? Um, And so when this breakup took place, it was like, this is what I've been trying to form my identity around and now it's gone. Right. Taken away so, from so now what do I do? And I don't even know who I am now. So like, what's the point? Whereas now when I experience a disappointment or a grief or a loss, or if a friendship ends or if I'm fighting with my spouse, I have a whole bunch of experiences of disappointment that I've made it through um, that it's a, it's a different feeling. It's not the same. Um, and I wish that I had told my 16 year old self, Hey, breakups happen. You're going to be okay. (laughs) You know? Um, so yeah, I, that was really why back then. Um, and I, I would be lying if I said that I had never thought of it after then. I would be lying if I told you I haven't thought about it in the last three years because I have, yeah. But it it's a different experience now. And there is a bit of hope since I have made it through some bullshit in my life. Right. I would like to try to think out loud here and please correct me. Please fix what I'm saying. Whatever. It seems to me I, at this time, the way I'm looking at it is I've got three different types of suicide and and the way that i'm thinking about it you fit number two okay so it seems to me very reasonable that there are plenty of times and places and situations where suicide would be a a clearly logical thing to do Uh, imagine if you were a pow getting tortured and had a cyanide capsule or something like that right i don't know i I can think of a that's an extreme case or something, uh, but um, I would do it in a second. And I can uh, think of a lot less extreme situations when I would, of sober right. mind now, choose to end my life then. Uh, if I had terminal cancer and then right. all the way back to, I don't know. I mean, you know, everybody could answer that question differently and you could really think about that. But it, that's a type of, of ending your life that could be quite logical. It doesn't mean it's mental illness. It might just make sense. Right. Um, right. There's a what the way when I hear you talk, I hear somebody who is battling something. They have a very acute, uh, somewhat temporary uh, problem on top of some other holes in their life, or you know, most people that experience a breakup don't become suicidal, for instance. Right. Um, but some people are in a state that's already bad or difficult, or they're not the you know the brightest happiest excited about life people ever they can be you know have mental illness or even be depressed and then acute things on top of that can just put them over the edge it just seems hopeless and that's the more class that's the one we always are thinking about typically the, your right. story there sounds like exactly what goes through people's mind uh there and then there's another category of people and you hear this sometimes and Jared Wilson strikes me this way 
as somebody when they talk about uh, uh, like it's a the, the their illness uh, eventually took them or something is kind of and, and there's an inev- inevitability it's like how long do you last if you're in in, in right. this category kind of a thing and that's the thing that nobody will that's the thing that's very scary and hard to talk about yeah and i don't know i don't know that about jared of course i, I really do not know so don't don't hear it that way but but it does right. strike me that there's some people who have clear and persistent feelings across a long period of time that they don't want to be here and they have conditions that eventually they succumb to Right. That's a different category to me. So while it's a different category, um, in the in the psychological realm, there's let me put it this way. If you had stage two breast cancer mm-hmm. and it's treatable, and it's it might be uncomfortable to get treated, but you decide that the way out of that or the way to deal with that is to end your life. Um, we would go, that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? right. And so on that illness or mental health realm there, if you've exhausted every treatment, you've gone and sought help. When you didn't feel like you were getting the help, you tried to find different help. You've done things to try and experience life in a different way. You've sought nutritional counseling You've sought, you've done the behavioral things. You've seen a counselor. You've gotten some psych testing. You've tried to figure out exactly what's wrong. Um, Yes, that would be different to me. And I'm not defending that decision, but I'm not trying to blame that decision. But it it, it falls in that category of, oh, the the illness took him. That's the really vague, softest way to put that, that the the illness eventually claimed him or something. So there was a a girl in, um, I won't. It was either Finland or Sweden. I wish I had her name. She was a 17-year-old girl. And she was granted the right to have physician-assisted suicide. And the reason that she had physician-assisted suicide was because she had experienced two molestations as a child. Right. And she was tormented. And it broke her family's heart that this was her decision. And I, I read the article wondering... Did she get trauma-informed care? Was there access to um, services that we know are scientifically appropriate for that type of of experience to try and get to the other side? Um, Because if so, okay. But you're 17, and your brain's not even done growing. Right. 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 What if... Five years from now, this doesn't feel the same, and or and it was difficult, but it, it, it you got through it, right? It seems like that universally would be rejected. Everybody thinks that's terrible. I mean, it, but but it's not as crazy as it seems. But I think that story, if you just talk about it, everybody goes, "Are you crazy? Why would her parents ever let that? How does she? Know? Of course, she doesn't know. If you can get it over, there's treatment. There's most people would reject that outright, and I also reject it because a 17 year old, there's got to be more. But right. I do understand it, and maybe if she was 26, I maybe am there. I, maybe I get it. Maybe right. I don't know, or I can entertain it. I can listen to that. Yeah. And, and I mean, that goes back into like, what, what's your worldview? What do you believe about life? What are you, um, 
you know, somebody who believes that they have a purpose and that there's a, a, a greater reason that they have been placed on the planet is going to see that story through a different lens than somebody who believes that it's just kind of an accident that we're here. Um, and if this is all it is, why even, why even struggle? That's dumb. Right. I think, I think the hardest thing for me too is when you say terminal cancer and you want to end your life on your terms with dignity and how you want to go out, it, it's so easy for me to grasp that concept, right? When I, when I see someone like Jared Wilson, all I can think of is potential, his family. That's been like, uh, you know, like, like the idea of he, like his kids and what could have been and that he did want, you know, did, like you said, did create organizations and was very open about, uh, his mental health and all of that stuff. And then it get then it starts to, it's way harder for me to understand that pain. Now it seems as if what everybody is saying is the pain that Jared Wilson had personally was equivalent to maybe the person that was, you know, going through the, the terminal disease or something like that. I, I, this I just can't take this weight, this pain. This I'm scared, or or I, I want to be able to control this, and that's where I think it, it. It that's why I think people don't like talking about it because how do you go about talking about Jared Wilson? Or I don't even want to talk about Jared Wilson. Yeah, how do you go? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we just have had a relationship with him. How do you go about talking about some something like this that's so heavy? Uh, because it feels as if like, like, for example, some people will say Jared Wilson, I, when I was a kid, when you killed yourself, you went to hell is what I was taught. And that's all. And I was, so I was, anytime I heard about suicide, I was devastated. I thought that person just couldn't, they, I was more, not worried about their family or their emotional health or anything like that. I was told the spiritual side was they go to hell. As I got older, started learning more. I was like, okay, wait a minute. Let's throw that shit out of here. That's just, that has nothing to do with this, these stories. But I sit here now and part of me wants to feel upset or mad or hurt or sad. Like there's a whole list of emotions. If I'm being honest, if you said, uh, a, someone killed themselves, it, we, we, we talk about the story in a way of, uh, like you said, it's almost like this dark passenger that was with them and they held out as long as they could, right? right? But if it was a dad that just took off and you never saw him again, you would not say, you know, whatever's wrong with that mentally deadbeat dad or something like that. Devin and I were talking about this a little bit. You would think a, a bad person or they, they left their family or they did all this stuff. So then it starts getting really murky. I'm not saying that's a good good way of thinking about suicide at all. I'm saying... I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of people, especially like my Southern family who think suicide is just horrific and, and weakness and terrible and has nothing to do with mental illness, more just a person just trying to get out or, or made bad decisions or something like that. That's what I was taught and told. It gets really hard when you have to define what, what's, what is the difference in suicides? Like your suicide, your attempt and process it seems, and that's the question I had is, might not work for everybody else. Like it seems like it's so across the board, what will help or change or make people realize that the farther you get from this, the better it could be. But Jared Wilson, that might was, not be it, true though. For some I know people. that's what I'm saying. Right. So it, I don't even know, I don't know like that it is right. Is there, so my, my big point here is that what y'all were saying earlier, 
at 16 or 17, you have to have a driver's license. You know, you don't get a driver's license till you're a certain age. You, you can't do all this. I mean, maybe at a certain age, you can decide for yourself what you want to do with your life. And that might would be add more dignity, and it might make us open up the idea of people being able to explain why they want to live. live. Because even with that 17-year-old girl, you clearly understand her motives. I, yeah. It's heartbreaking, and uh, and her ending her life, I think, wasn't a good decision. And I think I wish older folks would have done more. But I can understand completely why she did it. And so I think you could open up the conversation more. That's the big thing I fear I have is every nobody wants to talk about it and everybody has preconceived notions about suicide and nobody really wants to say anything that hurts anybody's feelings and nobody really wants to say anything real and so you just kind of float through like this is just like it's just going to happen and float I mean this isn't the like our friend killed himself it's not the last pastor it's not the last politician it's not the last person you know I mean this is going it's happening this instant and, I, and I'm scared to say any thoughts about it or even concerned that people aren't going to listen to this? I know this is, I'm talking my ass off here. I'm really sorry. There's just so many thoughts while y'all were talking about this. Like it seems so broad. I don't even know how you go about changing anything. Maybe is what I'm saying. I I think one of the things that we're taught when we're learning this helping profession is that a person who is on the brink of suicide needs to know that they're not alone. Yeah. Um, and that and and that they can get connection to help. And you might not be that help. You you may have nothing great to say, but you may be the person who grabs that person by the hand and connects them to the hand of someone else who will find the right things to say, will investigate how to help on an interpersonal basis. Yeah. Everybody commits suicide for a different reason. It's because it's their story and they're having trouble dealing with their story. Mm, so, yeah. so why not see it less about whether you're being a bad person or going to go to hell and see it more as if you had the kind of story that you wanted, what would be different and how can we achieve that? There, and you may find majority of the time you can answer that question. And in some times you can't. Are people talking about, I mean, what is this? What is the study and research on, on just trauma? I mean, trauma Trauma, has to be the biggest thing here. Yes, it is. Trauma informed care is the biggest push we've had over the last decade because almost every single mental health disorder is situated in trauma. Mm -hmm. And the problem with how our culture identifies trauma right now is that if it didn't involve a weapon or it didn't involve a rape, it wasn't trauma. And, and the reality Mm -hmm. is I have experienced neither of those things. And there were things from my past that I just could not assimilate to. I just you personally just didn't happen to be able to not and nobody can. Right. right. It's just mm-hmm. me personally. It did not fit. I didn't want that to be my story. I didn't want that to be part of who I was. And I had to make peace with that. And honestly, I was probably mid thirties before I really made peace with all of the stuff I've been through in my childhood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so, I want to linger on the trauma topic because it seems to be the topic as far as I'm concerned. Is. Um, and, and all this stuff. So the, the, the issue is, and, and, I mean, 
if I look hard enough, I'll find trauma I, or something. Like that's the problem with the, the rape and the weapon one is easy. It's easier to easier. Right. But but on the other hand, it's like it becomes really vague at some point. But it seems like we probably all do very much under underrate what trauma is. And probably if I really worked hard at understanding the trauma I've experienced, it would actually make sense. It doesn't right. necessarily qualify me for mental illness or something, but it's not zero for anybody. So it's right. degrees of trauma, but it seems to be the extreme, more extreme ones. And it's not even extreme in the act done to you, but it's extreme in how it affects you and who you are. Right. And on the extreme end of that, it is very reasonable that I, I just very much understand it not from an exteriential point of view, but logical, that there's people that have had trauma that has affected them in such a deep way that it is not fair or safe or reasonable to tell them, it'll get better. That isn't right. true. That isn't yeah. true. Or, right. it, or it might, right. or there right. might be some ways that, but, it, and so when you tell people, well, you know, the, the all this, the, the way people talk about it invalidates that to me in a way that makes me I, I don't know how to say it other than angry. Like, why would you tell somebody yeah. it's not true? They're just going to be continue to be hope. I mean, that, that's it, it's lying to them. Yeah, you know, like it'll um, be better. I, if, if, the one that just drives me crazy is the one when people say, uh, "Oh, if you're struggling, just hey, call me." If you're having a right. hard night, call <laughs> like me. Like I want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, like, like, like that would do yeah. anything if you call. Like that, it's so arrogant of the person to think right. if if they're struggling and they call me when they're having a hard time, I'll fix it. No, right. You're crazy. I mean, right. you're not going to fix anything. Plus, I've had suicidal friends who call me up drunk, trying to pick a fight to have a reason to kill themselves. So right. I don't. I, that doesn't work. Right. And what are you supposed to tell them? I love you. I care. Uh, anyway, I got to go to bed. So whatever you're going to do, go on ahead. Like, I, yeah. I mean, you know, it, 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 it's all just, I mean, that's what it looks like on the ground. But when we talk yeah. about it on social media, on TV shows, well, Chris Cornell, and he was the, he was a hero. I don't know. I don't know. Right. So um, just to kind of, kind of go to that place, when you're in a counseling session with somebody who's suicidal, it's far less about it's going to get better and you're going to be fine. That's not how counseling goes. Anyone who's been in a counseling session with another a, a person who's doing legit counseling on them, um, it's more about validating where they've been and mm -hmm. recognizing, dude, you had a reason to feel like you were a burden. Every time you walked in the room, your dad told you to go away. Your dad told you to shut up. Your dad told you you weren't going to be anything. Or you you played on the football team and dad was too busy to even show. And then you find out he has had an affair and you weren't enough for him to even take an interest in your life. How traumatic. And the person sitting across the room tends to go, well, it's not as bad as what other people have experienced. Mm -hmm, right. Totally. They have bought into the culture that trauma looks a specific way, and that's not the case. Trauma is basically your distress at the experiences that have been inflicted upon you. So, um, I don't know. We don't know what everybody, every completed suicide story was or where it was. I just... I don't want people to hear us talking about it and to think, all right, story's over. I'm done. Right. Right. Yeah. I yeah. want them to be able to say, okay, 
I'm, I'm struggling. And, you know, the average depressive episode lasts 30 weeks. Damn. 30, 30 weeks. Let's see how I feel nine months from now. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, but but let's, some right, people right. that commit suicide have felt that way nine months and nine months and nine months and nine months for 10 years. Had, and they, but have they, they know also, when everybody tells them some empty promise they'll get better. They know it won't. They know it won't. Right. So have they sought the, the true help? Have they mm, gone to somebody right. who is willing to sit with them in their suicidality, you know, and, and say, all right, you're having suicidal thoughts. Let's talk about this. I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid to directly speak about this. It's not taboo for me. I'm, you're not going to end up locked up because we talk about what's actually going on in your head. I'm willing to sit with you in this shit and, and muddle through and figure out how you can get out of this, whether it's behavior changes, maybe it's confronting your own bullshit. Yeah. Maybe, you know, well, maybe nobody's going to ever tell anybody that, Kristen. That's just oh, seems ridiculous. Some, like, nah. Why would you ever tell somebody who's hurting that it's their fault? Why would you say that? That's not how you frame it. (laughs) (laughs) You frame it as it sounds to me like you're engaging in some things that make the situation worse. Mm -hmm. How is this helping you? What could we do instead? Let's let's figure out a way to behave in a different way, even though it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the other thing is um, telling somebody that you're not you're you're not alone as you walk through this. And and from a clinical perspective, I um, I teach clinicians. That's what I do. And this is the scariest topic for them. They don't. What what do I do if someone right. says they thought about suicide? It's like you treat them like a human being, and they're telling you about their kneecap. Like it's it's part of their health. You know, um, that's where the taboo comes from, because it's like, well, if I say the wrong thing, then it'll be on me. And it's a very selfish motive to not tell the truth to the person, especially if it's like, well, listen here, you have some accountability in the way that you feel in general that puts you at risk for suicide. Maybe that's the way I would frame it. Right. It's not, Um, you know, your fault, what you went through or why you feel this way or how it got this way. However, your behavior seems to matter. And there's possibly some accountability here for you because I like, uh, for instance, I was talking about a friend that called me and did that stuff. That is right. And now when I talk to him, he's changed his situation entirely and he calls complete bullshit on his previous behavior. Right. But I wouldn't, wouldn't have been the one to tell him at the time. Right. Well, but you kind of did by setting a limit and a boundary. <laughs> I, <laughs> well, mean, I don't know. It was, it was it, but at wit's end is when, is when that happens for a lot of people. Right. You know. Right. But So I, I guess what I wanted to just stress um, to the two of you when I was listening was, okay, I hear that you're talking about this. this is a very important topic. And I agree with you. We either shy away from it and say nothing or we feel like we're saying the wrong things. It's not that we're saying the wrong things. It's just closing the loop. Here's resources. Suicide hotline, to write love on her arms. Those things, while, <clears throat> while we may think they're kind of hokey, um, they could bridge the gap to get someone to the help that they need. Do they have like, like measured results or anything? Like, How would you know what's a good or bad resource? Because there's organizations out there that probably do, do it in a way that I would find negative, like glorify things or give false hope or something i'm not sure is there is there a type of suicide hotline or you mentioned to write lover on arms or is there some way to affirm that those are are actually positive and not counterproductive 
So the the to write love on her arms movement works for a specific type of individual, those individuals mm, that are point. more expressive, those individuals who's who need to have that ability to kind of outwardly process what's going on with them. Um, I don't think that there is a cookie cutter answer for how to deal with someone's suicidality other than to say there's resources, access them, get to them. Mm. The national suicide hotline has has national oversight. And so um, there's guidelines and, and the people who are manning that phone or those text options are are educated and they are trained and we know that they are um they're up to date on what the united states of america wants us to um to do when somebody is feeling suicidal um so there are text hotlines i would say reach out and grab a resource worry about whether it it was the appropriate resource after we've got you over the hump and you're now able to process rather than overwhelmed um, and unable to tolerate the emotions that you're having in the moment. Yeah, I think you're right. And and just uh, so the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. And I think one of the things you, you said there that really makes sense to me is in the moment at your lowest point, it is probably hard to think logically or rationally. You're thinking very emotionally. You're very present in the pain. And if you can talk with somebody, I believe that it, in the moment that can lessen the desire there of ending it immediately. Like th- right. I'm not saying it gets rid of the the suicide in at all, or the, uh, the the feelings or the pain or the trauma or any of that. But I do believe talking with someone really can make a difference and easing it in that moment, and then try to get more moments, try to be more open. I, right. I really like what you've been saying. Is it? This is what I've been feeling. I wish suicide was more normalized. I know that sounds almost like I'm, I'm being insensitive or something, but I want people to be able to talk about suicide and the, their thoughts about it more readily and easily, because then I think maybe everybody could understand what this issue is. And, and maybe everybody could go, oh, wait a minute. This is this is way more than I thought. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I feel right. like there's probably so many people in my life that think about suicide, at least occasionally at the very least and they aren't talking to me and we aren't talking about it and we yeah. you know we we matt and i've mentioned it before we've all had thoughts of suicide i've done some stupid stuff when i was a, a teenager too i was the fat kid i felt super uncomfortable in my body and i thought i was just an idiot and i couldn't the, the, you know the the ladies didn't like me and the guys thought i was not all this stuff and i did you know i i did some stupid stuff and i just think that that normalizing the conversation, realizing that it's there, and then we can kind of gather more information. We can understand where people are coming from. We can actually, the, I wish we did have more data on what's what's causing this, what is the trauma, and all of that stuff. I think all of that's super valuable. Yeah. Um, Kristen, what do you make of that thought experiment that Toby and, and Devin were talking about? I think that one is kind of worth thinking about a little bit more, and it's not to be cr- rude or crass, but... It, that that actually strikes me as very again logical, which is all I've got to to, to deal with here. But a deadbeat dad that moves to Florida, let's say, and abandons his kids, and see I how mean, he took I, a dig at your state. Yeah, he has, <laughs> that's, that's just a stereotype. You got Florida play. man all over. Got no, it. Dad, my, Matt, the deadbeat dads are in Florida. They leave Florida. They, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Just kidding. <laughs> well, what what whatever it is, it's 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 not as if like. It, if suicide is losing the battle to mental illness, it's not as if these deadbeat dads don't have massive trauma, 
tons of mental illness, to, enough to be able to go away from your family and not come back. It would take a lot to get me to do that. That's yeah. not, I mean, how is that not somebody who's just simply less sick than the person who's a hero that lost their battle? Like, that's a, that's a very uncomfortable point. Yeah, and I think here's the worst part is that we we demonize those deadbeat dads, mm-hmm. right? And And we polarize them. And then, I mean... We're kind of pushing people toward what is acceptable and what's not. We're not allowing them to work through their story or deal with their story. And to be frankly honest with you, my dad was a deadbeat dad and he Mm. left. He walked Mm. off um, two weeks before I was born and I had the prodigal dad moment this past February, wow, right? Like, no way. you know, where he's coming back and saying, you know, I need your help. I'm struggling with my own bullshit. Mm-hmm. And you were the only consequence of my own bullshit. And I'm sorry that it was a burden to you and that it hurt mm. your life. Um, but I'm glad that you somehow made something out of it. Right. And, and the thing is, is that um, I mean, his mother committed suicide when he oh was four. Oh, my gosh. Right. I mean, so it's so he, related. He, it's trauma, 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 just being passed down generation after generation. And it's like, I just, I just remember waking up one day and in my super religious moments and right after high school was like, I'm going to cut off all the generational curses of my family. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm making fun of myself because I don't yeah. really believe that kind of stuff anymore. But it was the thing that got me through. Like, oh, the suicide stuff is stuff that I've watched my dad struggle with. I've watched my grandmother complete it. I'm done, you know. But the deadbeat dad scenario, yeah, he was running away from responsibility and running away from his life and not wanting to face consequences of his decisions, of which I was the only consequence. And and it took him 30 six years mm-hmm. to make sense of his life and his trauma. Mm-hmm. And wow. so if you took a hundred people that were in a situation, let's just, I'm not going to even speculate on his trauma, but just say he had massive trauma and all this stuff in his family, suicide in his family, take a hundred people like that. Of course they have trouble keeping families together and don't right. perform at high levels. And some of them kill themselves and some of them stay in Florida, which ones are bad. <laughs> and for yeah, what, I, what's the difference? Not, like right. if you look at it I from mean, that point of view. That, that I think from a scientific lens, none of them are bad. Right. From a religious lens, maybe. Mm-hmm. But from a scientific lens, I, I had such compassion for my dad's bullshit. I just did. I knew that he had trauma. I knew that there was stuff. Right. And uh, I was willing to lend him the empathy to focus on not allowing his stuff to define me. Um. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, my, my own personal growth had to do with becoming aware that the trauma I endured was a cascading effect of the trauma that the yes, person yes. inflicted, who inflicted right. it upon me had experienced. And then the, the people before them and the people before them. Um, so, yeah. So that, uh, that gives it a different, a little bit of a different spin. And I'm not trying to be judgmental of the people that commit suicide. I'm trying to be more empathetic to the deadbeat dad who may have done what he had to do to survive. Maybe he, right. if he felt trapped in the family. He doesn't make it. Maybe he does kill himself in the garage when, when you're three. And it, 
Right. That might have been worse. He might have done what he had to do to survive. I heard somebody talking on he, Russell Brand's podcast. It was uh, Gabor something or another. Look that one up. Gabor Mate. Yeah, it was um, unbelievable. Yeah. He was he was talking about how to view like uh, even heroin addicts. Like when they bring them in to yeah. get them treatment, they tell them good work. You found yeah. a way to stay alive this long so you could get help. The, the, the drugs saved you. Yes. Like you, wow. you, I mean, and that's an extreme yeah. point of view, of course, but it's a, it's an empathetic one, not an asshole one. It's, 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 well, you did what you had to do and I'm so sorry that it's this way. Maybe there's some hope right. here, you know? Yeah. Yes. I almost think it gives a, too, it gives, uh, it allows the person like the, 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 uh, just dealing, you know, I know it, it allows the person that is going through the, these depressive episodes or contemplating suicide they understand the weight that they are putting. Your dad, it, it took him all this time, but does understand the trauma and damage that he did to you. And that is inexcusable. It is not acceptable. It is not something that I want to diminish. Obviously, you've had to do so much life experience and work on yourself even to deal with some of that. I'm sure that stuff pops right. up in your head probably sometimes when you're not even thinking about it. But it allows him, just like you were talking about with the heroin addicts or, or with it, that they're the weight of what they've done doesn't they don't we can all carry it and we're letting them in and it's not going to uh, uh, define our relationships with them or who they are so much so that they should they do need to get out because the weight of it i've heard people like uh, somebody with the suicidal thought i think can think i've hurt people so much what am i worth all I've done is damage. Let me get out of here so I don't hurt them anymore. And you're right. saying, mm-hmm. let me invite you in. Yes, it hurts, but I can offer you empathy. I can offer you grace. And we can And we can all carry the weight. Right. And, and I think kind of to circle back around to that suicide hotline and reaching out for help, what it really does is it humanizes you. When mm-hmm. you connect with another human, you know that there's someone there to, and, and it's not necessarily validating you. It's just saying you're human and you're struggling and you're not right. alone. And when, when people feel like they're a burden, they're, it's almost like they just become something inhuman. Right. They're not allowed yeah. to make mistakes. They're not allowed right. to have any sort of um, faults. They're not allowed to fuck up every once in a while, even if that fuck up lasts 36 years, right? Right. Um, I, I mean... It's, it's got to be hard for, for someone to reach out, but if they would, there are humans on the planet, myself included, who have done their own fair share of fuck-ups. I can, I can be a human with you, yeah. and, right? And we can connect, and, and we need you to, to figure out a way to be safe so That's that really you can, well, you can maybe... Maybe you can look at the people that you've been burdening for 36 years eventually one day and say to them, I fucked up and I'm sorry. Or maybe you don't have the opportunity to do that, but you can live your life in a way that communicates that message to the universe. Right. <laughs> there, is, there is redemption. <laughs> there just is. Yes. Yes. Even for the deadbeat dads. Yeah. I hear you even when you say that, like to reach out to the suicide hotline. Uh, I, 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 hear that as in a way 
lowering yourself to being willing to do that. Like, of course, that's not going to help. You're in the selfish, isolated place and you go, right. oh, what about the suicide hotline? They're not going to help me. I'm. You have this narrative about yourself that I, I know it feels powerful, but you would actually have to lower yourself, which is the last thing somebody's suicidal. You don't want them to do that. But right. this actually sounds like you lower yourself to like talk, call a stranger and say, look, I'm here. That 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 sounds health helpfully humble or something. Yeah. Like yes. the opposite yes. of self-absorbed. Yeah. To, to, to just to take the first step there. Like, yeah, you don't right. know. And this person's probably not gonna really help you, but can you accept help? Right. Right. Yeah, that that's really hard for people. Can you accept help? Kristen, thank you so much for being here. Uh we got a little bit of other news too with Kristen, which yeah. I think is uh very exciting. When I heard when Joey did the the uh, the Daily Dose episode, if you're not a part of the BC Club, join it now. You'll be able to hear all the Daily Dose episodes and hear the one that Kristen and her husband was on. And uh, I was just so, just like today, I just love the way your brain works and the way you think about life and psychology and other people's brains and sex. <laughs> and uh, as a lot of you folks know, uh, Matt and I have taken over marriagesupply.com. And uh, it's a it's sex toy site, but it was started by some ladies that started the Free Sex Podcast. They uh, stopped doing the Free Sex Podcast, and we just thought it's so valuable, it's so needed. What could we do? How can we keep it going? And Kristen and her husband are going to start it back up. And I am yes, just, I couldn't be more be. excited just because I just, like I said, I love the way your brain works. I love how free you are, the way you are so uh comforting casual also unbelievably intelligent smart and it, it makes you. folks like me be able to understand a lot more clearly things that are very difficult to talk and navigate about so that podcast is going to be coming out in the very near future and we'll probably have you back on in the future too to talk about that and do some more but i couldn't be more happy uh to have you uh just carrying the mantle and keeping that going and mm -hmm. uh starting it fresh and we may I'm change the name or branding. We're not exactly sure. And yes. Candace and Katie did such a good job. We want to make sure to take care of, of that feed, of the same right. feed, a different feed. I'm not sure the details of it, but what that accomplished for the Bad Christian uh, audience and beyond I always felt really, really positive. So Me too. More people continuing to uh, normalize healthy sex is, is, is something oh. that we feel is a is, is good idea. And you're, totally. you're a good person yeah. to help. Awesome. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm actually very humbled for the invite to collaborate on this. I'm really excited. Um, and we're already like waist deep in it. And Jesse and I are really enjoying what we're doing with it. So I'm, I'm excited to roll it out and see how your listeners feel about it. Oh, yeah. Excellent. They're going to Stay tuned it. for that. And thank you for, for we, awesome. I mean, somebody credentialed coming in and, 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 and letting me spout stuff or, or to untangle that or get involved. Uh, that's, I, I think that's special. I, I don't always no. mix well with experts and people who are, I find them to be over careful and inhuman in a lot of ways that, that really bothers me. And I find you to be so human, but still coming from the, yeah. point of view of knowledge and you actually cared enough to call and you know I don't necessarily know if you thought of it as a correction but help that was important enough for you to call me and say listen you didn't and as you put it close the loop I hope we've done that this time uh, because the, the fundamental question here is is the best resolution we have for suicide just to keep it taboo because maybe it isn't helpful to talk about so I had to be open to that possibility too yeah. yes awesome well I thank you and um Y'all take care. Yep, you yeah, you got it. Thanks, Kristen. And, and I, last thing I'll say about it, too, is whoever's listening right now, it, it, 
just just call somebody. You you know you probably have those thoughts and you question your own mortality and should you be here and all that stuff. Just call somebody. That's all you got to do. Just call. It might be bullshit. It might be a waste of time. But trust me, you sat longer on the Verizon line trying to get your Verizon bill taken care of and been more frustrated. <laughs> your life is is worth ha- talking to somebody about it. And so just take that time. Once again, I wanted to say the suicide National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. But yeah, you can get, reach out to, to write love on our arms, our, our friends at Heart Support. There's all kinds of places to go. Um, just type in any, I typed in suicide hotline and, uh, there's a list there and, uh, yeah, just, if you've been thinking about anything, just, just have a conversation with somebody. Call me, yeah. you go to, uh, patreon.com forward slash, uh, true man. You don't have to pay any money. That's just where the site is right now. <laughs> Sign up. I'll, I'd love to talk to you. you can, I'll talk to you for a little bit if you need me. All right. Thank you guys. You got All right. it. Thank you, Kristen. All right, Chris, man, I am so excited to have her on uh, carrying the mantle of Free Sex Podcast. Yeah, like we said, we'll hope. I don't know what we're going to name it. I, there's a bunch of names out there. Maybe we'll keep it the same. I don't know. So folks out there, keep listening. It'll to be it, a different format. I just obviously, totally, entirely too. But yeah, we'll I see. just I just love it when somebody is really smart and has worked really hard and spent a lot of time trying to figure out life and it wanted it, like the way she is, it just wants to educate herself about life and then yeah. looks at it in a real way and then can talk to me about it in a real way. And that's just so valuable. That's I think what I that's think. A, a big issue is people getting into what they do because they have their own motivations from experience rather than the one where, well, see, I need to be in charge of you and be the teacher, pastor, counselor, right. because I'm here. I'm the hero to help the, fucked up people that's not right. the best way to do that it's, yeah it's, like maybe like, it works yeah. sometimes but that's uh, not the best way you know what an epidemic with pastors is they they want to learn about god so they can tell you about it yeah i know yeah. isn't it better to take the christian route christian wallace route? hey my life was this way and i need to figure stuff out and i'm going to learn about that and that grew her uh, education grew and growth. It was just unbelievable. When you only want to learn something so you can tell other people, what's your real motive there? It's just to be in front of people, right? Is it is it right. the actual thing you're learning? Yeah, and AA like sponsor is a lot better than a clinician, like right. you know, or somebody that knows all the information. You know, like a sobriety uh, coach. I mean, right? Of course, the, the guy's an addict, right? Uh, right. That's who you'd want, not who yeah. you wouldn't want. Anyway, oh, good stuff. Yeah. Speaking of uh, helping each other and doing stuff, the BC Club, uh, man, it is just it is just phenomenal right now. The place is on fire. I feel like everybody's <laughs> just growing and talking, and things are changing. And I just I couldn't be happier. I guess couldn't be happier. It's just, it's just a great environment, and it's a real environment. So that's why I think it's so valuable. I just yeah, I real just is love a better it. descriptor than great, in my opinion. But I like yeah, it. yeah. I, I guess you're real right. Over yeah, great, real. whatever that means. Yeah, it's greatly real. We'll we'll meet in the middle. Uh, so if you're not a part of it, just join. It sure would help us. And, uh, a lot of folks in there would like to get to know you and hear what you got to say or, uh, give an, an ear and listen to what they have to say. It'd be really good. Some of the folks in the BC club are Justin Klein, Simon London, Zachary Malloy, Malloy, Michael Malloy. Martin, and Ty Hilbert. Thank you guys for finally joining. Did you listen to 475 episodes before you joined, or did you just Where find you us last week? I, I, you know, no judgment either way, but I'm kind of curious. Yeah. All right. See you guys later. <laughs> See y'all. 
That was kind of harsh on the people that actually I support know, us, man. I know. I know. Just, boy, where the fuck no, I'm curious been? about the data. I'm just yeah. interested in the data. What can Born we do? motherfucking <laughs> piece of shit. Now you show up. Piece of shit. <laughs>